You're listening to The Itch, Rock Matters. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And this is episode three. Yeah. So last week we discussed uh, the Pearl Jam album Gigaton, and it was a pretty quality album we decided. I had a question for you guys because something came to mind, and I don't know if it's just me being ridiculous, but it seems logical. Okay. So Pearl Jam is a band that is known for extensive touring, right? Yes. Yeah. They're always on the road. They record a lot of their shows, release them for free. So my question is, when they title an album Gigaton, is that a reference to themselves playing shows? Because I hear gig, to gig is a verb, it's to play a show. <laughs> and a ton is a lot. So my mind was blown when that came to me. I was like, Pearl Jam does gigaton. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a good point. I never thought about that. I always, you know, I guess now when when you say gigaton, I think of like megabytes and that's a gigaton of of storage, you know? Like <laughs> I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a thing. But. Right. <laughs> but I just I'm like what if that is what that means and they're just being really funny and like subtle and so nobody probably will pick up on it. <laughs> if we ever get a chance to like interview Eddie Vedder or something, <laughs> we're getting that question in there. <laughs> It'll be like this interview is over. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible that that's what he was going for, but who knows? Who knows? So that was that was a really good one. Uh, I was glad we got to lead off with Pearl Jam uh, this week. Dan has selected another album for us. It's a new album from In This Moment, and it's called Mother. And I'm excited about that because even though no one will hear this until like a week after the fact, we're recording this on Mother's Day, and that was not even intentional. Exactly. You pointed that out today, and, and like you said, it was definitely not intentional. This was just an album that I would have already played on the show a long time ago had we been doing the show. Yes. Yeah. But now here it is as Flavor of the Week. The Flavor of the Week no longer, until we're back on the radio, no longer playing four or five tracks from an album, but rather discussing the album itself. But in the meantime, like, how was you guys Mother's Day? It is an itch tradition to do a Mother's Day show. Yeah, it's a, it's a tradition that I, I love, too. Um, there's been a lot of Mother's Days recently that my mother has made me miss the show. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, the last year or two, I think we've purposely missed the show to have Mother's Day separately. But Context here. Casey and Dan live in St. Louis and do this show, St. Charles specifically, Missouri and do this show every week. I live in Chicago for the past seven years and do it very rarely. So I miss out on a lot. So hey, you just want to give away my address while you're at it too. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I miss out on a lot. And, uh, I, I remember mother's day being a pretty big thing. Um, we like to play that lonely Island song once in a while. Yeah. No, we still have a show that we dedicate to Mother's Day, but I think the last couple of years we've decided to uh, to not do the show on Mother's Day. Yeah, ever since my wife has, yeah, ever since I've had children myself, we've really shied away from it because I feel that it's really a, a bad thing to leave her alone with two children uh, on Mother's Day. I think that's just wrong <laughs> to have to put them to sleep at night by herself. That's fair. Happy Mother's Day. I'm going to play music now. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. I'm leaving for four hours. Okay, good luck good, putting them to sleep. <laughs> so this is one of those rare occasions then, I think, where this quarantine business works to our and their favor because we were 
even though many people are not able to celebrate with their mother, their mother figure or anything like that in person this year, I presume all three of us were able to do some variation of celebration with our mothers or in Dan's case with your wife, who is a mother, and then also record the show afterwards. So it kind of is the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah, I was blessed to have both my mother and, and my, my wife here. Had a great meal, had a good uh, good evening, and, and then uh, she took one of my kids. So it's even great, even better. <laughs> Man, that's, that's a great Mother's Day right there. <laughs> Casey, you got to spend some time with your mama? Yeah, we got some uh, pizza on Saturday, and then we ordered enough to where we didn't have to do anything today for Mother's Day. So we just kind of laid low. It was a good day. That is a good day. <laughs> Casey's been on a um, <laughs> Casey's been on a celebration streak lately. If I can if I can throw one bit of your personal business out <laughs> there, I was going to point out um, your uh, recent birthday celebration and the fact that you got to keep your sushi tradition alive, which I really respected because that's an important <laughs> tradition in one's yeah. life. My eight or nine year streak of of eating at my favorite sushi place here locally, which is perfect because. For anyone listening, this quarantine has lasted so long now that Casey's had another birthday since last <laughs> week, uh, and so he's going to be having some more sushi. Uh, eight or nine years have probably passed since then. I feel like it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it feels that way. Yes, it does. <laughs> Dan says with a sigh, particularly <laughs> following the comment about having one of his children not there for the day. <laughs> He's like, yeah, uh, you have no idea. <laughs> Preschool opens up and it's safe and it's safe. You know, like it's it's one thing for it to open up, but it's it's another thing for it to yeah, feel safe. wait another month. Yeah, we have no idea. Like that's that's the thing is like I still feel like even even though places are starting to open up, I still feel like we're going to be somewhat kind of a quarantined or that our life is going to be at least affected for the next year and a half, maybe two years. It's going to be a long process. Yeah, so hopefully we make the best of this podcast situation because who knows if we'll ever be able to return back to Linwood. <laughs> all, <laughs> all their courses will go online immediately. Like that would not be the way that I saw that show like effectively ending, or at least, at least that is true. That is true. I think you guys would get kicked off one day for letting too many f bombs through. Yeah, that, that's how <laughs> I I imagine we'd go out. <laughs> You're always destined to go out that way, or or you know, I just accidentally just let one slip on air and just be like, "I'm done with this shit," and then just go. <laughs> now you have the podcast medium, where as we discuss, we can we can say what we please. We won't say too many things that are that are naughty. I can't promise that, but I'm suggesting it. But you know, you you don't have the FCC on us. <laughs> I don't want it to vary too much from the radio show. Like I, I still want it to be. Just like our radio show where it's about the music and we are at least not intentionally trying to be dirty or uh, yeah, yeah, filthy, I guess. I'm no George Carlin, so <laughs> I will say I do curse like a sailor in, the, in my normal life, but I've, I've really toned it down because my youngest one is starting to pick up as we talked about earlier. Yeah, it's that thing whenever you start to realize the effect that you have on the people around you, especially children. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. They learn everything from me. <laughs> well, I was able to, to teach my oldest, who's four, uh, that it was an adult uh, anger word. And mm. and he actually knows that. And like he, he will I will say that like when he's singing songs that have curse words in them, he'll sing them as loud as hell. <laughs> 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 and, and I told him that that's OK. 
but you know, I, I told them that they're adult anger words and that, you know, you don't use them unless you're an adult and you're angry. <laughs> and that's kind of how I've been trying to use them, at least in my life since then. If I'm going to say that that's what they are, that's how I need to use them. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, that's important. And you're also being consistent. We, we are the itch and we are about rocking out. So you're teaching your son, like, <laughs> no radio edits here. We're just <laughs> <laughs> do your thing, bro. <laughs> That's one of the things that I really am excited about the podcast and about this, you know, just online media in general, because I, I still don't think that it's the society's job to to censor itself. I, th- I think, honestly, parents need to do their, their job and, and teaching their kids exactly either what those words mean or why they shouldn't be using them. And I don't think it's just like, oh, well, everybody else needs to avoid them. So my kid doesn't hear it. That's ridiculous. I, I think that's just. I think that it really is the parents' job, and they just everybody needs to do a better job because obviously it's not just radio where they're going to hear this stuff anymore. It's everywhere, like online, right? Each context, like yeah. you just said. So, like you, 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 it's virtually impossible to protect your children from hearing or seeing things that you would rather they not. Especially nowadays, like my four-year-old's got a tablet. Every kid's got it, electronics in their face, and for sure, it would be a fool's errand to try to censor everyone else's behavior. It's just you're you're going to fail. There's no point. <laughs> I think it also limits uh, artistry, you know, or, or creativity um, when you do that, because, you know, just look at network television and how it's gone down, how people have gone away from it, because it's literally limiting the creativity by censoring stuff. Yeah, I don't understand certain things, how we've become so politically correct that it's it's just i mean i know it's that's just how time works but it's just the stuff you could get away with you know 15 plus years ago you can't even do hardly at all yeah i think it's I think it's interesting i kind of feel like it's somehow gone both ways where like you can say profanities on certain network or like channels and stuff that you couldn't years ago but there's also like so much behavior policing you're right of the uh, the cancel culture kind of idea of if you if a comedian says something offensive then he's no or she is no longer pretty much allowed to be a thing because you hurt someone's feelings or whatever so now <laughs> you're canceled with, right <laughs> censorship has like loosened and tightened somehow in its right. own <laughs> well it's become societal censorship yeah um, it's, you know, it's basically everybody out there policing for themselves instead of, you know, the government. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that's the way it, I, as much as I, I think that there are certain aspects that I agree and disagree with that, I, I do would much rather that the people police themselves as opposed mm. to uh, the government telling me what I can and cannot say on the radio, which is ridiculous. And that's that was the point I was trying to make. That makes total sense. So this has been the itch discusses censorship. <laughs> a fantastic opening topic, right I, there. <laughs> honestly, I can go on and on about censorship because I, I really feel strongly against it. I think that it's just words, and nowadays, even certain people um, have told us that basically there's only two words that you really can't say on radio nowadays, and that's it. Like you, you can play any kind of music, almost get away with anything said in the radio, but it's just two words, and you can get fined for those two words. And I think it's just. It's stupid. What the hell is the purpose of it? Yeah. yeah. And if you're wondering, it's shit and fuck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, and what's funny is uh, when you, when you try to edit, you know, people put edits on, on those words and 
nine times out of 10, you know the exact word that's being said because the edit is so crappy. Yeah. And also, you guys have put me in an awkward position now because now I don't think I can edit out what you just said or else I am self-censoring us. (laughs) And then we have some type of quandary. So I guess that'll probably make it. Well, that was the point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a new medium. I want to make sure that I'm using it to its fullest. All right. Fucking A. (laughs) (laughs) I better move on before we get too far down this. (laughs) And there's Casey with the final word. Okay, there it was. <laughs> That's how you got in the show right there. <laughs> Get it, getting back to the music. Um, <laughs> this week's flavor of the week is mother. <laughs> Hold on. Well, me, let me stop laughing for a second. <laughs> All right. So this week's flavor of the week is in this moment, mother. Now, I'm not very familiar with this band. I know in recent years, you guys have gotten more more than we used to be into sort of this like female-led symphonic kind of metal, sort of, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, no, it does make sense. And I, I will have to agree. And that's actually a, a large part of because of my wife. Um, she's, yeah, she's a f- huge into the female rockers. And she's one of her favorite bands right now is Hailstorm. She follows Lizzie Hale. And because of that, uh, she basically, Lizzie Hale will connect her with, I guess, all these other different female-led rock bands. But that's not necessarily why we followed In This Moment. I We actually saw In This Moment live a couple of times way before yes. I really started liking them. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, here's the thing that, I, that comes to mind for me on that is that I remember like when we first started the show, like at that time, I was really into Evanescence. And I remember trying to get you guys to play bands like that and you just weren't really very interested i think it's great that over the years you're like you know what this genre has grown on me now (laughs) i think it's all dependent on the singer though in in the band because to this day i still do not like evanescence i don't like i I like skillet you introduced me to skillet and i i I do like them that's a that's a female not female led but it's a female incorporated band and highly influenced (laughs) you guys eventually got into in this moment you said you guys saw them live a couple times yeah, once was at an Ozfest, I believe they played like the front stage. So we sat on the lawn, and like I just remember, like there was there was Scream Band, and I I know that I knew the one song "Beautiful Tragedy," and we loved that song. I think we did play that a couple of times before I really got into them. But it wasn't until the uh, Blood album, right? Yeah, that sounds correct. When you started playing them on the show, yeah, yeah, like one of their albums came out, and I heard the first single off of it. A song called Whore, actually. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, you know, that's exactly what it is. You see a song called Whore, you're gonna it's a attention grab, you're like, What? So I ended up getting this album based on a couple of songs and I fell in love with this album. Like it was it's really great. Like the, the, I'm talking referring to the Blood album, sorry. And I think that's that's one reason why I, I got into them and, and then they they kind of just kept going that direction. Like they were a band that really were hardcore metal heavy screaming she sang a little bit but she screamed for the majority like 90 percent of the time and and she started singing a lot more with the blood album yeah and i mean and i i've made it known that i kind of tend to like the bands that sing more than scream like i i appreciate the people that have the capability to scream but i don't like you know an entire album of just screaming so 
uh, this album in particular, I was kind of pleasantly surprised that she did sing throughout the majority of it. So that was that was a positive for me. Are you referring to the Mother album? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Got to be specific here. I was looking up Blood while you were talking. And, and so for first off, it was released in 2012 and it was their fourth album. So this is a band that I have yes. not apparently paid much attention to for quite some time. Yeah, because after that, they came out with Black Widow, and I, that was another album. And I think that's what really sealed the deal for me and be, made me like a true fan of this band was they had two albums come out that just really hooked me. Mm. And and I thought Black Widow was just as good, if not better, than Blood. I, I don't know. They're, they're really kind of great in their own ways. And then they continued down that path and had an album called Ritual come out. I wasn't a huge fan of that one, and yeah. that's why – I was a little nervous when, when Mother started, you know, when they announced Mother and they had their first single. But I'll be quite honest, like, I, I love this album. Um, it's nowhere near as heavy as any any of their albums before. It is by far their softest, I guess, quote, softest, but... Melodic. Yeah. Well, as we talk more about the album, there's there's a few tracks that I feel that could have been improved uh, a little bit by doing a few things, but uh, I thought it was a solid album overall. Yeah, the, I thought every kind of every track kind of stood out. Um, I really, really love the beginning of the album and the way that it kind of hooks you in. It starts off with a little prelude, and then it goes into their cover of "Fly Like an Eagle," which we were talking last week about how the first track really kind of determine you know helps us determine whether or not we're going to like an album because we like to listen from beginning to end. Mm. And so I, I don't mind when albums have interludes like beginnings, uh, like. I do appreciate that they at least had 14 tracks on this album, including the, you know, the interlude and things like that. So, well, I was just going to say, it was kind of interesting that they have three cover songs on this album. Is it? Fly like an Eagle. Into dust. Yeah. Into dust is by uh, Maisie star. Huh. I didn't know the that. Fade into you band. <laughs> you guys, mileage may vary. I will say so. So you have obviously known of this band for a while. This is more or less my first exposure to this band. And I will say that starting your album with two musical interludes and a cover of a famous song that I personally <laughs> don't think you do very well is a bad look to start an album. Because to, to me, I'm going into this. I'm like, OK, this is just weird. First of all, the first track is called The Beginning, but it's also listed as an interlude. And as a copy editor, I'm bothered because generally an interlude is used to mean like a pause, like in the middle of something. I'm like, you can't start something with an interlude. Like, how does that even work? And it's the intro. Just call it the beginning. It's the beginning. And so that, I was annoyed right off the bat, even though that was kind of a cool track. <laughs> But but I still didn't like Fly Like an Eagle. They covered Steve Miller Band and and I I somewhat agree beca- because because they cut out huge chunk and like an important chunk of the song with like the tick tock tick doot doot doo doo part. Which I mean I get that she probably doesn't want to sing the doot doot doo doo, but they could have done because it sounds kind of a, like a Trent Reznor style uh, song. They could have had a breakdown. And use you know TikTok like her whispering TikTok tick or something, and they didn't. I will say that it to me it was kind of par for the course. They're not they're not good at covering songs. I'll be quite honest. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> Someone needs to tell them that then because they started and threw in the middle and closed their album with covers. So where if you're if you're like 
biggest points on your albums are other people's songs. That's yeah, you got to be careful about that. <laughs> and here's here's what's funny about the, in, uh, the Into Dust song. So I listened to the original song, and so the way they covered it, they use a piano, and it it goes on for like six minutes, and it's like the same chords, and it never like builds or goes anywhere. But then you listen to the original song, and it's acoustic guitar, and so it's a it's a pretty much the same thing. They didn't really change anything other than using a piano instead of a guitar, but it's just, it was kind of an interesting choice. I, I don't know. I feel like it's a little cliche at this point for a heavy band to end their album with one of their softer, gentler tracks. That said, Into Dust was probably one of the tracks I did like more, even with that repetition. Maybe it was just because it sounded different than most of the rest of it, but that soft piano and the vocal kind of worked for me. Yeah. I mean, no, it was good. It just the six minute length was kind of like, okay, this is this could have ended. <laughs> this is coming from the classic rock block guy who's exactly. used to six seven minutes. Exactly, off. I I enjoy long long songs, but then well, they had the intro at the beginning that was kind of weird, and then they end it with the same type of thing, which I don't know seemed unnecessary. But yeah, if you guys remember their their last album, they had covered "In the Air Tonight" by Phil Collins, yes. and it was. It was not good. I mean, it, it it was all right, but it was. It was there's been better covers of that song, non-point in particular. But if you're gonna do like a metal version of that track, you probably should at least not do something that another band that people who know you probably know has done. <laughs> like non-point, as far as that genre, your non-point's cover was was pretty sick. You're yeah. probably not gonna beat that. So yeah. I don't know. It seems like a questionable series of choices. Maybe. Maybe there's some uh, producer help needed in here to guide them a little bit at some points. And listening, I listened to the entire album start to finish. And I'll be honest, seeing them live, there was a couple points where I was like, okay, and this is where the costume change part would come in. (laughs) (laughs) She's totally the metal Beyonce. There's no doubt. Every time, every time I see her live, she ever, that's exactly what I think. It's the metal Beyonce. So, so there was two tracks to me that I think stuck out the most. It seemed the most interesting, and the in between was one of them. I thought that that riff and the chorus was was pretty intense and, and awesome. The only thing that I didn't like was there was this like stutter effect they put on her vocals, and and they did that so much that it was noticeable and distracting to me. Like if you took that off of some of this track, it would be easily the best track on the album. And that's what made me laugh the most because you know. You have Fly Like an Eagle where they, they just omitted the, you know, the stuttering tick-tock tick. Yeah. And then they instantly go to that song and then completely overdo the stuttering part. So it kind of it kind of <laughs> contradicted. <laughs> they used that effect again on uh, As Above, So Below, which is one of the other songs that I found the most interesting. The, I thought the lyrics had a like a sort of a venom to them that I was like, oh, y'all, y'all angry. I, I can get down with this. Um, but yeah, they did the stutter thing again. I'm like, take that out. It would be way better without... <laughs> but uh, those were like standouts for me anyway. So in this moment, very bravely decided that Queen was a band that they needed to tackle on this <laughs> album. And so they did a cover of We Will Rock You. That was sort of an all star thing uh, featuring Lizzie Hale of, of Hailstorm and uh, Taylor Momsen of uh, what's that band called? Oh, uh, The Pretty Reckless. Yes. And so you kind of have this like female singer all-star thing going on. Well, and I wanted to say on the flip side of their terrible cover songs, 
apparently when they have help covering a song, it actually turns out really well. Yeah. The one negative side of the cover song, I will say, is that you can definitely tell it was produced in three segments. Like you could tell that every person produced their segment and then it was all just kind of meshed together as opposed to having them all kind of recorded together. On the flip side of that, even there would have been one thing that I would have done uh, suggested better on that. Have somebody like uh, Nina Strauss, who's a guitarist for Alice Cooper and probably one of the better female shredding guitarists uh, yeah. do the, do the guitar lick as opposed to, I think Lizzie Hale did it, but I'm not a hundred percent positive on that. You are correct. Lizzie Hale did it. And to Casey's point, it would have been super cool if they're like, let's not make this an in this moment song. Let's just make this a female supergroup song. Get Nina Strauss in there. You can shoot. You can bring in um, the drummer from Skillet, and then you've got most of a band right there. Like you're almost there. Like, can I make a side note that Lizzie Hale spells her name without an I, and I think that's interesting in a mostly good way. <laughs> your stage name. It's L Z Z Y. Yeah, her stage yeah. name is L Z Z Y. I'm like, you know what? That's fine. I can, I'm okay with that. Well, and then her brother's name is R J A R J A Y. Uh, that I have more problems with. <laughs> <laughs> so what else stood out for you guys on this album? We've got, we've, we're, we're covering the covers pretty well. And it seems <laughs> that we are in general agreement that it would be in their better interest to, to probably not. Yeah. The, the only other thing that I will say is I always feel like in this moment should have some, you know, breakdowns into their song, but they generally don't for whatever reason. And I feel like that that's missing at times like there, there's not like a huge long guitar solo or like a drum solo or anything. It's just, it's just featuring her singing, which is great, but it just, I don't know. It's noticeably lacking. Most of their tracks look like they're around four minutes long, which is, uh, keeps you within pretty much radio length. It's, it's like the, the, the longer end of radio stuff at this point, but yeah, I can see that where, you know, a lot of metal bands like you take Metallica. That's why they've got songs that are five, six, seven minutes long all the time, because they'll just go off on a tangent of just wicked guitar at some point in the middle of a track. And yeah, I can totally see that being a beneficial thing to to end this moment. I also think that it's because, too, uh, <laughs> you know, you have a band like Metallica who every person in that band is incredible at their instrument. Right. You know, and so they all deserve to have a solo pretty much in every single song. You have a band like in this moment that, I mean, they're probably damn good. They've been playing for years. Don't get me wrong. They're obviously all better at what they do than I am. But, you know, that, that the all-star of that band is Maria Brink. It all revolves around her. Like, even the stage shows, it all revolves around her. And then the guitarist is like, you just paint your face white and paint your beard white and go stand in the corner. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, yeah, in terms of like marketing and stuff, like I'm not saying that they do it that way, but there's something to the possibility that like the rest of the band might be there to make Maria look good. Like I don't know if you guys remember, but uh I think it was the it was the Don't Speak video that No Doubt did, where that was the premise of the video was this idea that Gwen Stefani was clearly like the star and the others were kind of her supporting cast. Yeah. And so I mean I, I'm not again, I'm not saying that that's necessarily what they're doing, but I could understand an argument that someone may have told them, okay, try not to put some nasty guitar solos in there <laughs> unless Maria's doing them. <laughs> like, <laughs> like she's a 
focus. We don't want to detract from her voice and her look and that kind of thing. I think honestly, that's been the key to their success is, is that, I mean, cause if you look at all their, like even on the blood album, she's in red and everybody else is in white on, uh, you know, the most recent album, I think she's in white, everybody else is in black, you know? So it, it's, it's all meant for her to stand out and rightfully so she's gorgeous. So I, I will give this album one thing. I still don't care for how they opened it up. I think that starting with starting with an intro is cool. Flowing it into the song is cool. Um, also kind of cliche stuff, but it's fine. It still works. And that was a pretty cool intro. Didn't care for the fact that that main track that it went into was Fly Like an Eagle, because that's also like a weird precedent to set for your album. Like usually your opening track is sort of uh, it's like the, the mission statement or, or like sort of an intro to what the whole album is going to be. And so it seems weird to me that that would be what you lead with. And then to emphasize it more by putting another interlude after it also almost makes it feel like a separate thing from the album. Yeah. But after that, I feel like this album had a decent amount of flow to it, which is which to me, and we as we discussed last week, is always important, at least for the rest of that first half or so of it. I felt like your your tracks, they kind of worked. One, one you guys mentioned earlier that, that you thought each track was sort of like unique and interesting in its own way. And it's cool when you can make your tracks stand out from each other, but also feel cohesive. And I think they did a good job of that uh, for most of that album. Yeah, I agree with you. If this if this album would have started with track three, it would have been probably a hell of a lot better than uh, than what it is. But, you know, it's not like the, the cover is terrible. It's not garbage. But like, I would say that um, it would it would be better to just be released maybe separately. Yeah, I didn't feel it fit the flow of the album either. Like you said, like it just didn't seem like it, the music didn't kind of flow with the rest of the album. Yeah, it was completely separate and you could kind of tell. I think what they could do if they like to do covers as much as just release a covers EP or album that just combines all that stuff so that their own albums are able to have that more unified feel to them instead of these like interlude feeling um, versions of other people's music. That's what Hailstorm does. They release yeah. cover albums like almost every other every other year. It's fun. I know. Yeah, I know a number, number of artists who and, and most of the time they do this separately. They're like, yeah, this is occasionally you'll hear a cover song at all. But to throw in three and then also, yeah, I don't know. That's it, I think that could have been what made what made the album work as an album was if you took those out. I think that might be a, a different listen. It might be kind of interesting. I would agree with that. If they would have just had one intro, like one little instrumental intro and then led right into the in between which is the single, the first single off the album. I think that's a very strong. Exactly. I think that's a way to just kind of hook people and and get them like, oh, okay, well, you know, you got my attention now. I'm going to give the rest of this because then Legacy is a really good track as well. Uh, And that feature and then it goes into the the cover of We Will Rock You, which that's by far the best cover song that they've ever done because they didn't change it musically at all. Um, And it features three very, very powerful female voices and the the rest of them, like you said, just kind of flows into itself. It's really good. They're, you know, all the tracks stand out. They all have a, a, a separate kind of feel to them. They don't. It doesn't feel monotonous to me. Um, I, I actually think this is one of my one of my favorite albums of theirs. It's it's one of their softer albums, but it's a lot more melodic. And like I mentioned, we're getting older, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dan's slowing down over here. <laughs> yeah, no, I I, I appreciate. I've always liked her her singing much much better. I mean, she's always had a great screaming voice too, but she's been. I think she's got an amazing voice, and I, I love hearing her sing. And I think 
you know, this is like one of the first albums that she pretty much sang the whole album, or at least on every track. That's what I would kind of hope that they would do. So, in just in general, but uh, that was a positive, in my opinion. And also, I'll give them credit. Something that uh, has value is um, in the selection of their singles, and the three singles from this album were the In Between, Hunting Grounds, and As Above, So Below, which collectively we've mentioned as highlights to it. And so that's a good sign to me. You know, if, if the songs that stand out to us are also the ones that stood out to somebody else in terms of these would be good representation of this album, then, you know, kudos to them for having agreeable taste. I think it's going to definitely end up on our top 20 list because I don't really see much coming out that's going to fill the list up. And I'm sure we'll be saying something different later in the year but um you know i don't i don't know how high up there it's going to be because while it is great i think it's it's a solid album it's just i think it was i I feel like it was missing the the really heavy in this moment that you know from blood and and uh i guess her letting it out Uh, you know i i like her singing you know melodically but you know that's i think one of the things that got me into was was the her ability to mix it up and it yeah. seems like now it's kind of going just more towards the melodic side. It seems like they are a band that's known for changing up their style to some degree on each album. And they're, as I research them a little more, they're definitely a band that's known for changing up their members every now and then. Yeah. Uh, which I think is, I think is a side effect of what we were talking about earlier of whenever your front person is, is the whole focus. So yeah, maybe are you guys suggesting that maybe the, uh, the, the change, to almost purely mellow maybe a little bit too too quick for you You want a little bit of more of a descent into that rather than a like st- still give me some ones where she just screams her her throat out on a couple tracks here and there yeah i agree with that like i i think that um i'm just not ready for them to be full on like uh this is our new sound this is how we're going and i still love the screaming and her just letting it out really going back to bands that not okay with having like the lead singer be the focus. Um, Cause you, you had mentioned that this band's kind of a revolving door and it, it really does seem like that's the case ever since uh, the blood album, actually this funny thing. So I didn't even know this myself. Um, so they actually changed two members before the blood album. Uh, they actually got a new drummer and a new uh, rhythm guitar backing vocalist before blood album. And ever since they <laughs> replaced those members, I've liked their band. I don't know if there's a correlation. Uh, but Sometimes you find the lineup that works after a few failed ones. Like if, or, or you find your identity as a band. Like you mentioned Skillet earlier. They're a prime example of that. Skillet's been around since the mid-90s, but it took them a decade to, to decide this is our identity and we're sticking with this sound and generally this lineup. Because everything before that was John Cooper, their front man, and, and mostly different people. It was maybe, maybe two albums per person but usually even just one and now they've got it narrowed down and then they became much bigger stars once they kind of discovered that identity but i think it all goes on you know on your expectations of the band i think that that's a situation like you said like a no doubt where you know in this moment no doubt you could put them in that same category because the bands all just got together they didn't anticipate the uh, lead singer drawing all the attention although i don't know why they didn't because they're both gorgeous but uh, <laughs> Like and you know so the rest of the band kind of follows suit and they they're part of the background and the lead singers is the show but honestly most bands you could say that if you don't have a strong frontman you're not going to really make it 
Right. You know, if you're if you nobody knows who your front man is, there's no way in the world you're gonna be famous, most likely. But it's all in going into the band with expectations. When you have that expectation, you're going in there as equal parts, and then one person kind of draws the attention and becomes more popular. It, yeah, it creates resentment. But if you go into a band, you know this person is going to be the spotlight, like the Pretty Reckless, for instance. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everybody knew, you know, you go into a band with Taylor Momsen, you know that she's going to be the star. It's going to be about her. She's been a child, you know, a, a star since she was a child. So you have that expectation when you go in there, it's going to be about her. And even the stage show was kind of like that to where it still, she was the, the feature and in the spotlight, but man, her band rocks. Like they were awesome live. Like they put on yeah. such a great live show because they know how to play. They've been playing together for a long time. And she just kind of made them fit. Like you said, you know, it's all about in uh, finding that perfect lineup. And it just seemed that the band had probably been circling and cycling through through uh, lead singers. And then she just happened to be like looking for a rock band and we're like, hey, yeah, come play with us. We'll definitely be your band. I mean, so, so that cre- the lineup of, of the band, you've got Maria Brink and then uh, the other constant since they formed in 2005 was Chris Howarth, who was the lead guitarist. They've shuffled through a number of bassists, a number of uh, drummers and rhythm guys. Yep. But four out of five people in their current lineup have been there for a decade now, over or, or over a decade. Since the blood album. Yeah, it seems like they're pretty locked in at that point. And so maybe that's why, I don't know, maybe they've maybe they've hit that rhythm of or that, you know, that groove as a band. We're like, here's our here's our guys for the future is, you know, as long as we can keep them. Well, and sometimes lineups like that can inspire each other to make better music and to be better with with each other it's also true there's something special about when something clicks guys that's why we still do this show <laughs> there's no doubt about it because like red hot chili peppers for instance that's a, a great example Ooh, that's of, a great example <laughs> of, of of just how their music changes so much now granted it is their guitarist that they are replacing with everything and i i get that yes the the stars of that band are anthony kiedis and 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 flea but like the guitarist makes so much difference because you can't tell me that like the albums with John on it are 20 million times better than the albums with their most recent guitarists. In my Ooh. opinion, <laughs> that's something I've been wanting to talk to you guys about for a while. This is a great topic. Um, so in this moment, good job on that album. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to wrap that up a little bit so we can segue on over to the chili peppers here. And that's a great subject. Just the idea of, of what difference one band member can make. And I'm in complete agreement with you. Aside from the stardom thing, I actually think the Chili Peppers have hit that level because they've been around so long where I, I would call all four of them stars. Um, but yes. I, well, I was just going to say, I, I will say that I, I I didn't really learn the drummer's name until he did. <laughs> yeah, until he did the drum off with Will Ferrell. This, this is exactly yes. true. I, I did become a Chad Smith fan knowing that he was a Will Ferrell doppelganger. <laughs> and that and that if that's what it took was you know chad's been drumming for all these years and he's like this is what happened i had to have some other buffoon come out here and become famous and look like me for anybody to care what i do okay that's the respect that i get so <laughs> and then to make fun of me drumming yeah but i'm totally i'm 100 percent in agreement with you because you've got so the chili peppers anthony kiedis flea chad smith john frusciani I'm not 100% sure if I pronounce his name right, but we're going to say that. He is the Chili Peppers guitarist. Yes. Yeah, they've had Dave Navarro for, for a minute. They had Josh Klinghoffer, who was their guitarist for the past decade. 
And if you look in their discography, almost universally, the albums with Frisciani are the ones that are the best or the most beloved, the ones that had the biggest singles, the ones that people cared about the most. And and this what's interesting is that the Chili Peppers themselves, they there I read a couple of stories about them. Maybe we'll link to them somewhere. Um, but they dismissed Josh Klinghoffer last year, not because he was doing anything wrong, but because Frusciani was ready to come back and they love him. And so they were like, basically, Klinghoffer, to his credit, he more or less understood. He was like, you know, I know that I'm kind of the kid and that's their guy. And so whenever they were ready to to get the band back together, literally, they they showed me the door. And and not to make the Chili Peppers sound mean or anything, they go into detail about how it all went down. And like, clearly, the Chili Peppers were torn about that and and they appreciated Josh. But John is their guy. And so if he wants to be a Chili Pepper, he gets to be a Chili Pepper is kind of what it is. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. Like, I heard it from uh, I heard that story from josh's side and he was he was broken up and i get it he really loved being part of that band well because he was like the kid who got to live out his dream yeah and that's what i was gonna say i get it i mean it it would be amazing to be able to go on tour and to be able to play with your with your idols like that but at the same time like as an artist too i hope that he realizes that the band was just better off without him (laughs) yeah because he well he's a great guitarist in, in, in his own right I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I always felt like the Chili Pepper guitar lines when he was in there were just lazy. I don't know. Like, he just didn't, I don't know, just lazy. I mean, getting back to Navarro, like, he's regarded as a great guitarist in his own right. But for both of those guys, when it comes to the Chili Peppers and their sound, John's the one that gets it, and they, like, click. And I don't think that they clicked with Josh. I'm sure if you listen to other stuff that he has done or will do, I'm sure you'll find some pretty wicked guitars in there. But as the Chili Peppers guitarist, I haven't paid attention to them for the past decade. And it's because what I heard in that time, I it didn't do anything for me. And so, yeah, I'm excited. I, I'm really excited because I will say that uh, I've been really disappointed with the last two Chili Peppers albums. And now that knowing that um, John is back in the band and the, I don't know if they're recording music or not, but even just the fact that he's back in the band makes me want to go see them live again. That's for sure. Yeah. Here's a bonus fact for you guys. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Chili Peppers have existed and Kiedis and Flea have been in the band uh, literally our entire lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was I, I was noticing that. So, yeah, for <laughs> that, 35 years. Um... That band started in 83. I had no idea that, that I knew they were in the late 80s. I didn't know that they existed back. Maybe they were just like high schoolers playing talent shows or something. In their yeah, they played now. small clubs and stuff before they yeah. branched out. Can we uh, can we give Anthony Kiedis uh, credit for still looking fairly young, despite both being <laughs> that old and having done as much drugs as he's done in his life and being alive? <laughs> For being alive, like he still looks. It's kind of like the Keith Rich- the Keith Richards <laughs> <laughs> method of. <laughs> he looks more to me like Iggy Pop. <laughs> well, I just I just mean about being alive by like yeah. doing as much stuff as he probably inexplicably has. alive. Yeah, <laughs> and and Keaton is aware of that. Which to the that's something I think has made the Chili Peppers stronger is the fact that they survived their their lifestyles and you know came out of it wiser and cleaner and so unfortunately it wasn't a situation where their music necessarily got better uh, although i don't know the exact timeline of when they got cleaner 
But yeah, kudos to him for being doing as well as he is just in general at life. Yeah. After all of that. But yes, uh, to, 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 to bring that all back around, one member can make an enormous difference. And I and I have to say that that's probably the Red Hot Chili Peppers is one of the greatest examples of that. There's no doubt. Probably the greatest example. That's why I'm glad you brought it up. Like I said, I've been wanting to actually talk to you guys about that forever and I forgot about it. <laughs> and now, now we got to. And that's just a load off of my back, you guys. It's a burden I've been carrying. Pretty heavy. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> this is therapy for each other. This is our mental health during this time is discussing rock with each other. I will have to say therapy would be uh, a little bit better if I could listen to rock music at the same time, but um, I, I will, I'm doing what I, I can. That reminds me, I uh, wanted to plug the Spotify playlist. Speaking of listening to music, for anyone who is listening to this, you can look us up on Spotify, look up the itch, Rock Matters, and we have an ongoing playlist that we will be adding new songs and tracks from bands that we uh, mentioned. I suspect the in-between from in this moment will end up on there and probably some type of epic John Frusciani Chili Peppers song will go there this week. And so if you need a soundtrack and somebody else to do the work for you, um, we're here not getting paid to do that. So <laughs> yep. so have fun. <laughs> we're good at not getting paid for this. <laughs> it's what we do. <laughs> We've got a long track record of, of, of being non-commercial. I hate it. <laughs> you know, I don't mind not getting paid for it, but I would love to get free concert tickets for it. That'd be ideal. And a brother get some swag. Yeah, that's all I'm asking. Like a band t-shirt or a little payola here. I'll review your album. A free album to review. Yes, <laughs> give great. me a t-shirt. I am for sale. <laughs> Officially, podcast Dan is for sale. KCLC Dan cannot be bought. <laughs> <laughs> but for now everything we do is for free and so i hope that that's enjoyable to people i hope you've enjoyed listening to the itch rock matters my name is dan i'm kc and i'm aaron and we're going to continue doing this in lieu of our radio show for as long as we have to as we've said before we're going to continue to make sure we are talking about music getting our uh, outlets to our fans and um Anybody who listens or who anybody who gives a crap, to be honest, I, you know, anybody that wants to listen. <laughs> so please tell your friends uh, and rock music fans about uh, the show. You can leave us a review on whatever platform you so choose and check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash itch rocks. Or you can email us if that's your thing. Itch rocks at gmail.com. Don't forget that Spotify playlist. Look up Rock Matters. It should be one of the first things that pops up, hopefully. Yes. All right, so this has been The Itch, Rock Matters, and until next week, rock on. Fucking A.